Last night's celebration of new ministry was really special. So many people did so much to make it a wonderful event in the life of the church. The Altar Guild, of course, the Flower Guild, whose handiwork you can still see. The music was amazing. The reception afterward was over the top. The bishop was here. Our friend Clint Schneckloth from Good Shepherd was our preacher. Even Lowell made an appearance. It was a great night, and it felt like everybody left with the same spirit in their hearts or minds. What a wonderful time. What a wonderful chapter this is in the life of the parish that we love. And then Jesus shows up this morning and says, You see all these great things? They're all coming crashing down. Not one brick will be left on top of another. And I want to know, what's wrong with Jesus? Why is he in such a bad mood? Why does he feel the need to throw cold water on this good moment? Jesus usually isn't this grumpy, is he? He's the one who likes to drink wine and have dinner with the most notorious sinners of his day. He's no stick in the mud. So what's wrong? What's, what's gotten under Jesus' skin? Sometimes scholars or preachers or we will read this passage and feel like Jesus has a problem with the temple, that Jesus' life and ministry, as far as he understood it, was a rejection of the old covenant and the temple that it represented. But the gospel doesn't bear that out. Take, for example, the beginning of today's gospel lesson. Jesus and his disciples are leaving the temple where they had gone to worship, where Jesus had always gone to worship. Borrowing from Luke's account of the gospel, you'll remember that when Mary and Joseph couldn't find their young son, where did they eventually find him but in the temple? And he said to them, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? Jesus' issue isn't with the temple, and it's not with any beautiful place of worship. His problem, of course, is with us. We love beautiful buildings. We love walking into a holy place like this one and feeling drawn into God's presence by the very architecture itself. One of my favorite moments during the week is any time I happen to walk through the nave and see someone I don't know in this place, kneeling in a pew, encountering the divine presence. That's a gift our congregation gives to this community, and there's nothing wrong with it. God is beautiful, and beautiful things draw us closer to God. We are, after all, a sacramental people. We believe that God meets us in the physical world in ways that we can see and touch and taste and smell. The problem isn't with the beauty around us. The problem is how easily we begin to substitute the beautiful things for the thing that they're supposed to represent to us. We replace the Holy One with our holy, holy buildings. We stop pursuing our Creator and instead pursue the traditions we know so well. How much easier it is to worship the gods we see than the God who is beyond human sight. How much more comfortable we are 
when we encounter God's presence in a safe and sacred place like this one within these strong, sturdy walls than when we encounter God out on the edge of life, under a bridge or on a dark street corner where, God forbid, we could get dirty or even injured. How much more attractive is the prophet who tells us that God wants us to be happy and comfortable and prosperous than the one who reminds us that those who follow Jesus must give up everything. Jesus himself reminds us that the path ahead will be hard. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, he said, do not be alarmed, this must take place. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. There will be earthquakes and famines. And that's only the beginning of the birth pains. When Jesus and his disciples were leaving the temple, the disciples said to Jesus what any of us might have said if we were standing in Jerusalem or Rome or London or Oxford. Look at these impressive buildings. What beautiful architecture. Jesus' response to the disciple isn't a correction as much as a reality check. You see all these buildings, he said, you know one day they will all come down. It's as if Jesus is asking us where are we putting our confidence? Into what are we investing our hope? If we're counting on the stones to save us, then we're in really big trouble. This is a time of incredible change. The place of religion in society is transforming right before our eyes. Just a generation ago, Sundays were reserved for worship and for family time. In the town where I grew up, if you decided to skip church, you didn't dare show your face before one or two in the afternoon because people might know that you were in town and didn't show up. But nowadays, Sunday morning brunch has become the place to see and be seen. Back then, if a soccer coach tried to schedule a practice on Sunday afternoons, he or she might be run out of town as an ungodly taskmaster who worships the idol of team sports. <laughs> but now we parents who insist that our children excel at everything spend most weekends driving all over the place to watch them on the sports field. And you know what? I don't blame them. I like Sunday morning brunch. <laughs> and I enjoy seeing my children play on the sports field. The problem is that the stones upon which our religion has been built, they're beginning to crack under the weight of the institution itself. And the problem isn't the stones. The problem's us. Where are we putting our hope? Into what are we investing our dreams? Can we see, can we imagine, can we know that God has the power to transform this world whether we show up or not, whether our worship is as beautiful as it has always been, whether we take our prayer book or our entire church and throw it out the window. Can we see that? What happens here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and on occasion on Saturday nights too is pretty special. And we're not getting rid of any of it anytime soon. But St. Paul's is a growing church 
not because of what happens within these walls. We've had excellent preaching, excellent music, excellent worship for a long, long time. We're a church that is growing because we're a congregation that cares more about what happens in the world than what happens in here. If we want to see the reign of God, we've got to look past the buildings and the programs and the ministries that we love and trust that even when they come falling down, still God's reign will come. If we want to participate and enjoy the fullness of God's presence, we've got to let go of the institutions that we're clutching onto and trust that still God's reign will come. If we want to be a church that only exists for its own sake, then we might as well put a for sale sign right in front of the door because it's only a matter of time. But if we want to be a congregation that exists purely to be an agent of the great work that God is doing all around us, well, we might not know what it's going to look like, but we can trust that we will be a part of something really special. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.